Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week in the podcast, the absolutely amazing Khaki King. I first heard of Khaki when she recorded in the Foo Fighters album, and I've seen her play live with the Foo Fighters on stage many a time. And of course, as many people say, she's an absolute genius. The quote from Dave Grohl is this, There are some guitar players that are good, and there are some guitar players that are really effing good. And then there's Khaki King. Getting that seal of approval from Dave Grohl, I tell you what, that's doing okay. Now I'm joined today by Ross McAndrew from the band All She Knows. How are you, Ross? I am, I am all well, Scott. How are you? I'm, you know me, Ross. Can't complain, never do. When <laughs> Dave Grohl says something like that about you, I think you know that you're in a good place. Yeah, um, like I'm a massive fan of the Glow album. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a more percussive style of playing than what you're used to with, the, with these um, acoustic acts, so I think it's really cool. Um, it's really nice just to see someone know their instrument that well and that they can really just expand on what's normally done and just really go for it. I really like that. I'm a big fan of Khaki King's Glow album as well and I second that. I've had it on the iPhone for I don't know how long but it's an absolute privilege today to talk to Khaki King and I am desperate for her to break down those songs, particularly from the Glow album. Uh, Ron North, our producer, is with us too. Khaki King, how good is she on the guitar, seriously? It's just one of the best players that I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of normal acoustic acts that go up and play and stuff and you listen to her and it's just outstanding and to think that we're very fortunate because we've got Khaki King on this week last week Ross and I were discussing earlier how good was Tommy Emmanuel oh, seriously so good um, he's just he's just uh, he's another outstanding player I've been and seen him a couple of times now and last time was with Martin Taylor and that was just an amazing show, like an absolutely fantastic show. Um, he's just so enthusiastic about the music and just mm-hmm. so, so, so into the whole idea of playing guitar. It's just amazing. And you could tell on the podcast as well, he was really getting into it. We, I was about to say we caught him on a really good day. I've never seen him on a bad day, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you could just tell he was really, really getting into it. He was talking about Chet Atkins and mm-hmm. talking about how he wrote to Chet Atkins. It was a great lesson, yeah. wasn't it? Really, really good. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, week before that, of course, as we were discussing too, Carol Kay. How good was that? She broke down to, she, all those great bass parts and all those great guitar parts from over the years that mm-hmm. she's played on. Played in thousands and thousands of hits. Yeah. Did you enjoy the Carol Kay episode? As a bass player, of course I did. <laughs> like, um, it's just, it's. I, I just love uh, just hearing other bass players talk because it's just so inspiring just to come at something from a slightly different point of view and her playing is it's just so good because it's it walks the line in between completely rhythmic and really nice harmony on it as well so i really really enjoy that 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 kind of playing and it's catchy as anything as well so it's good one of carol k's i think biggest talents is the ability to suss out what to play and when to play it yeah and i think that's a very under um estimated trait mm-hmm. 
and I reckon why she was employed by literally thousands of people mm-hmm. to record on thousands of hits, and yeah. that's not an exaggeration, yeah. was for those reasons. Mm-hmm. And you can, yeah, I think you could really tell that her explanation. It was an app, a total education in that podcast yeah, because. Of course, yeah. She's talking about, you know, and all the different melodies, what she plays in between it, all the different notes. Mm-hmm. She talks about scales, but not to the point where she's talking to, about theory to the point where um, she's solely thinking of theory. Yeah, she's clearly it's completely melody. musical. Yeah. It's completely musical. Um, it's just, she just knows her harmony so well. And because she knows what's going on with other members of the band, she knows what the kick drum's doing, she knows what the guitars are playing, she knows... She's just she's just a so on the ball when it comes to her playing, and that's really what you're looking for in a bass player. Listening to these acts on the podcast, what they have to say, also makes you realise how bad we all are. Yeah, as it's, uh, to be honest, see when I hear her play, I just want to kind of pack in the bass playing and just kind of go, yeah, I'll just play the triangle from now on, because that's probably the only musical instrument I could do justice to really. and I think when we do that and then we get a virtuoso triangle player on then we'll give up that too so yeah, I yeah, think we'll, that we'll pack that in afterwards yeah I, mean, I think but until then like, yeah. but until then we'll have the greatest confidence <laughs> in playing that instrument but it goes back to my initial theory of just never try hard at anything that is that is true Um I think it was Homer Simpson who, <laughs> uh, who, 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 who prophesied that if something's difficult just give up You'll be happier for it. Absolutely. We've got Khaki King coming up on the podcast. It's going to be a good one. Okay, we are back on the Top Music Podcast with Khaki King. How are you, Khaki? Yes, everything's good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, yeah. Now, one thing that you've been quoted in saying in the past, that you feel that you're a student of the guitar and will be for the rest of your life. Now, that's great to hear from someone that's of such a high standard. Do you still feel that you're learning pretty much every day? Um, I do. I think, um, you know, I, I got to a point where I had a bit of competency and then I switched from, you know, acoustic to electric or I, you know, I realized that no matter what, the guitar will give you a challenge. This, the, the six string c- configuration of the guitar is like to me, basically, I know it's not mathematically infinite, but it feels artistically infinite. Um, there's so much that you can do with it. And there's so much that people have done. And, um, I, I, I'll never be bored. I'll always have something else to learn. Excellent. Now you've played the drums in the past as well and, and still do to this day. Do you feel that that's helped your, um, all the kind of rhythmic technique on the guitar that you play? I do. I think, um, I think drums helps anyone, any musician, any person that, um, is interested in this fundamental part of music, this rhythmic part without a harmonic counterpart. Um, or a melodic part. And, um, you know, I think that it, for me, drums helps me internalize music. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing where it it just helps my internal metronome and it helps me with, uh, separating my limbs. So my right hand can do something that's totally unrelated to my left hand. You know, I think it's helped me a lot technically. And also, like I said, that sort of the fundamental building block of music is rhythm to me, um, not to everyone. A lot of people don't um, necessarily hear that as powerfully. And so I think playing drums set me up to obviously have a very rhythmic sense on the guitar. Yes, for sure. 
Absolutely. Now, one of the tracks that's definitely got a lot of great rhythm is the, the song Doing the Wrong Thing. Now, I wonder if you could talk us through that song and perhaps give us, give us a little bit of a demonstration. Let me go grab my guitar. So I'm not going to name notes because I, I actually don't know what this is. I'm just tuning to ear my ear. But you start off with a minor third. The intervals are really important to me. So you have this great minor third. And this is a fifth. And a major third. And a fourth. This, this this high E, if it is an E, it goes up to an F sharp. Yeah, so if this were a G, this G string goes down to an F sharp, and this high E goes up to an F sharp. And I think that this octave, this high E going up a whole step, really plays a big role in the song. So. play the melody you have a you're doing a harmony with a much lower note so there's never a time that the melody just is by itself it always is harmonized and within that harmonization you have these open notes with a lot of dissonance there and it's kind of resonate you know it, it's it's um what is it called? The dissonance is resolved there. And my music theory is sort of coming back to me very slowly. Um, so the rhythm is coming in, in the right hand with the picking. And fortunately, that's all this right hand does. The whole time, basically. Um... The song is built on very, very easy building blocks. But what those are are the tuning, um, the rhythmic pattern of the right hand, and this, you know, building a melody that, that is always harmonized by a lower note. Um, and, you know, that, that's, the, that's that song, really, in a nutshell. So, and I think a lot of what I do is not, it's, um, a lot of what I do is taking simple parts and stacking them together. Excellent. Now, how do you go about your songwriting? Is it is it totally different each and every time? Do you start off with a, a new tuning? How, what's the process like, Kaki? Um, you know, I get I get asked this all the time, and I feel like I never have a good answer. Um, but it is random all the time, and unfortunately, I don't have I I I would be much more I'd have a lot more records if I could just turn it on, like a tap like a tap with water. But um. Oftentimes, it just takes the correct balance of inspiration and perhaps some necessity. 
Um, a lot of times my favorite time to write music is actually at soundcheck. Um, there's not a lot of people around, but there's usually a few people at the, in the venue or working at the bar or, you know, there's, there's a couple ears that are not listening actively. Um, but I've got the sound system on, everything sounds really big and full and it's all coming back to me through the monitors. And for some reason that inspires something and, you know, the, I'm not quite sure why, but I've written quite a few tunes at, at soundcheck because it just, it, it's an optimum situation for sound and for not being alone, but not having any pressure. It's a great, I, you know, um, that has, has been a good opportunity. I would just say that if I was under pressure to write something and I was on tour, I would certainly take extended sound checks and give myself a lot of time to do that. So that's, one instance there's of course many others but yeah that's really really interesting i think you're the first person and i've i know you've answered that question a lot i've asked everybody that but that's certainly a different answer to what we've had before from anyone now you've performed and toured with a full band you've toured with um well just doing solo performances what do you prefer do you like a bit of both i mean what's your thoughts they're so different. You know, they really are. I know everyone says that, they, but they are. I mean, and, you know, when you're with a band, you have, like, a, a rehearsed show that is loud and powerful and really fun and lots of energy. I mean, this is my, my you know, in the band shows that I've done before. Um, and But there's something in, in it, you know, there's enough organization that you can build in moments to improvise and moments that the drummer can do a crazy thing and you know and you sort of and I think also it, it evolves um and it evolves slowly from show to show and I think most people in bands will tell you that the the best shows of the tour are the last two weeks of the tour because you've finally gotten it where you really want it and um but it's very fun and it's very exciting and it's lovely to play with other people who are super talented um but playing solo has its its own beauty. I think for me, it is, it's a much greater challenge for sure. Way harder. Um, but it gives me the ability to change on a dime, to change the set list really fast to, you know, if I, if the room is warm and the people are really into it, I can extend a song further. You know, I just, I have so many more options and I can, um, with each individual song, I can, I can figure out, a, you know, I can take it down a new path. And I don't have four other musicians that I have to, you know, let them know that I'm going to do that. I mean, you know, of course, when, you, when they're with really talented people in a band, they could follow you. But there's something about just being by myself and being able to, to go off on a tangent that is really rewarding. And, but, you know, again, like, I think my musical self is never better than when it's just me. You know, the microscope is on me. On the only thing on stage that has that you can put your attention onto, and I think there's a, a a big challenge in that that I like to take on. Excellent. Now, tell us about how the Foo Fighters uh, thing came to fruition. Of course, for anybody who doesn't know, you've recorded and performed with the band. When? How did that take place? Did you get a call? Did you meet one of the guys? Talk us through it. Yeah, it was a while ago, but. Um, I, I, you know, Dave Grohl really just loves all kinds of music. I mean, he's a super huge music fan and he somehow found out about me, um, through a friend, I'm not sure, but, um, he 
he invited me to LA to play on their record, more specifically on this song that he had written for these miners who were trapped in a mine in Tasmania, and that's in Australia. And um, they had they were in the mine and they they were alive and they could communicate and they could get them food and water. They just couldn't get them out. And they said, well, can we get you anything else? And they said, yeah, we want iPods with Foo Fighters music on it. So that was, you know, that's pretty amazing. And he wrote a little guitar ditty for them, and he promised them that he'd put it on the record, which, of course, he's a man that lives up to his promises. So, um, you know, he, I came out to L.A. when they were mixing the record, and he said, well, I have, the, I have this song I want you to hear, and I want to, you know, let me, let me, like, let you hear it. And I thought he meant he'd recorded a song, and he's like, no, I'm going to play you this song on guitar. <laughs> and so he starts playing this song on the guitar. And I was there, and there's another guitar, so I grabbed that, and I played my part of the song on the guitar because that's just, you know, it was just two instrument people who played instruments. We were just jamming. So it wasn't, there was no big setup. There wasn't like your manager says that it's a good career move to work with this guy. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just musicians doing what they do, doing what we do, and um, and then we recorded it for the record and it came out and then after it came out, they were going to tour Australia. So they said, well, you have to come with us and play the song, which we, which I did. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Well, that must've been brilliant uh, playing with the Foo Fighters. I mean, the reputation of Dave Grohl is that he's the nicest man in rock. Is that the case? It is the case. He, well, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters, but he's, he's a, a very, very fun human being for sure great stuff now a song that I really liked off your last album was the Cargo Cult um, I wondered if you could perhaps give us a demonstration of that because I really like the percussive feel and of course yeah. we'll talk about well, this in a minute the rain uh, on the back of the track I'm going to grab the other guitar well there's there's multiple but let me grab one so Cargo Cult has a um, has an element to it that I'll demonstrate and I don't have my like system with me. You can't really hear that. I'll do that. My neighbors are gonna kill me. But um, so I'm top. I'm stamping my foot, and actually, what I'm doing is stamping it on a small wooden briefcase with a microphone in it. Um, and that has that's just a very important part of the song when I play it live. You know, on the record, it has all kinds of percussion, but I don't do that live. Although I do um, sometimes tie some bells to my other ankle that have a little, like, you know, click and snare sound and a little So, um, a couple years ago, I started playing an open D minor tuning, which has been one of my favorites. It's, it's far more versatile than I realized. So, um, the song is basically in G minor. I don't know if you need any of this information, but... Um, it's very, again, it's very simple. Um, just simple chords and a simple idea. It's really like, that's the, that's the hook, you know? Around that, and then there's some, you know. <laughs> 
again, it, to me, it's fairly simple, but um, I am playing the bass line and the melody at the same time. And, I, you know, things that I, for, like, I forget these things and other people point them out to me, but someone was pointing out that uh, as technique-wise, all I'm doing is hammering on here. So it's like... Um, you know, and I think for for me, what that does is is give it a little, like a little brightness, and it pulls it out a little bit more. Um, but you know, it's a simple song, and it's got a really nice. It has a bit of a like bridge key change in the middle um and i can play that i kind of this is why you know i will tell you for a fact this is a song i wrote at soundcheck Perhaps my favourite track on the album, to be honest with you. Hang on a second there, Kaki. We're just going to advertise some of our previous episodes. A lot of awesome previous episodes for you guys to check out. At scottcowie.com, Stitcher Radio and on iTunes. Episode 1, we had Glenn Matlock. 2, we had Hugh Morgan. Episode 3, we had Sandy Tom. 4, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band. Ori Anthony joined us in episode 5. Episode 6, Bob Jacobs, the head spokesman from NASA. Episode 7, Dr. Phil, that's Metallica's therapist. Episode 8, The Grahams from Wet Wet Wet. 9 was Andy McKee. Steve Craddock from Ocean Colour Scene was in episode 10. Amazing producer Cliff Goldmacher, episode 11. 12, Steve White. 13, Martin Taylor, MBE. Who can forget episode 14 was Stuart Copeland. 15, Dweezil Zappa, Martin Harley, 16, Julian Lennon in episode 17, then we had Carol Kay, last week Tommy Emanuel, and right here, right now, the genius that is, Khaki King. All episodes available at scottcowie.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Go check them out! Now, that was, of course, from the last album. Now, you've had lots of different original albums out, Kaki. Now, I'm interested to know, Do um, are you excited at the response from an album coming out? Do you get a little bit nervous? What are your thoughts generally? Well, oh, man, you know, that's funny because I uh, my career started when people stopped buying albums. So, I mean, really, I, I my first album came out in 2003. Napster was already a huge thing. File sharing was already... You know, but not everyone knew how to do it. Like, there wasn't, oh, I just want to hear that song, so I'll play it on YouTube or whatever. Like, that didn't exist yet. So people were still going to stores and buying records, but the decline had started. And then 2004, I was signed to Sony and put my second record out on a major label. And that scene was crazy because... Um, you know, by the time I made the record, by the time it came out, all of our people, maybe six months after it came out, like all of the people we'd worked with were fired. 
I mean, it was just a really crazy time for the music industry, and they were losing so much money, um, and they didn't know how to budget. Like, it seemed like no one, they were just giving you so much, everyone was getting all this money to make records, and then it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, to have an insider's perspective on it was um, pretty incredible, because really, like, we we didn't even have a person with an email address or a phone number to contact when my you know, contract was up for potential, whatever. I mean, like there was no one, there was no one left. And so I think my perception of record releases is definitely colored by the industry. And my, my response to that is that I don't get too excited or like, I I'm relieved. I think that I can, you know, move on from that phase but you have to remember too that you know making a record is really the exciting part, and then you sit on it for six months and you take pictures and write up cute stories about yourself. You know, there's the promotion, which is not nearly as interesting as making music, and then the record comes out, and then you get to tour it. So there's this like delayed gratification each time. So albums to me are not as exciting as as live performances and tours. It, they just have a it's like, okay, I'm finally going to send this out into the world and I get very excited that everyone's going to hear it, but I really want people to come to the show. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what, because I'm like, if you really want to experience this, come to the show. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So on that note, you obviously, you've, you've worked for so many years in what is an ever-changing industry. What advice would you give to young aspiring musicians just to be trying to make it and perhaps doing the same thing that you're doing? That's, you know, that's a loaded question, um, but I can, I really can't answer it honestly. This is not hokey or this is coming from my heart, but I really love, I love playing guitar. I love it. And no matter who you are, even if you are at the top, there's going to be some rough times and some hard gigs. And if you're not really in love with what you're doing, it's, it might not be worth it. And, um, I think that music is so powerful. It it finds a way to exist in your life, no matter what. And I and I and I, I hate to say like that's the reward, but for me, it really is. You know, I've I've think that on top of being a guitar player, I've gotten to be a performer and gotten to make music, and it's I feel incredibly blessed and lucky. But it wouldn't be that way if I was bassist in a band that, whose music I hated. You know, it really, no amount of money or fame or any perk could make that a good situation for me. So I will say that I would just say have gratitude for being a musician, period, because the one thing that you'll know in life is you won't ever, you won't, you'll always be able to make friends. You know, if you can play an instrument, there's always going to be, you know, people that will want to play with you. It's fantastic. It's a great way to have a social life. Um, but as far as some practical advice, you know, I, I see a lot of people, I have a lot of musician friends. I know a lot of people who focus entirely on the image or the look at how cool our Instagram is. You know, there's a lot, there's a, and there's a lot of fun stuff that is available to you that can make the idea of your band very cool. But I have, t I've absolutely seen, you know when you see a movie that's so good or you hear an album that's so good, you have you have to tell your friends. And you can't you just you you have to pass things around because, you know, that everyone in the world has that instinct. And when you make something that is so good, 
people will pass it around and people will share it. And especially in this day and age, you'll, it will be shared everywhere. And I see it happen on the internet. I see it happen in small communities. You know, I, I, I think that, um, you have to make music in order to be successful. That is just, is so inevitable to, um, that a life of being shared is inevitable is intrinsic to it. That it's that it's just that good. It doesn't matter what genre it is. You know, people like all kinds of different types of music, but like that's that's just where I'd put all my energy and my focus. You know, someone's going to be able to dress you up and take fancy photos, and someone's going to be able to do your website or whatever it is that you think that you need. But the fundamental reason that you're there is an art form, and that art form will absolutely have its own legs if you nurture it the way it deserves. You have been credited with being such a great guitar player, but one, and quite rightly so, but one thing that you haven't been credited with, and I think it's worth pointing out, that you probably have the best song titles in the world. <laughs> Bone, oh, well. Bone Chaos in the Castle is <laughs> probably the best song title I've heard in years. I wondered if you can give us an example of that particular song. And you've got to tell us about the title. Um, I will. Um... I'll tell you about the title first, because I um, I have to get into a different tune. The title is pretty remarkable. Um, so the title, um, okay, so I had a friend, and their last name was De Castro which is a Portuguese, it was, her, for in, in her case, her name was Portuguese, and, um, and it means the castle, or the fortress, and she had had a, uh, she'd been in a car accident, and she had a um, injury to her bone, her collarbone, and you could see on the x-ray, it was a bit, you know, it was, it was really mangled up, so she referred to it as her bone chaos. So, Bone chaos in the in the castle, you know. It, it felt kind of like an inevitable conclusion, like oh, well, well, obviously that's a song title. So that is where I get that particular one. very complicated but it isn't <laughs> this is a very good song to play if you're a drummer okay So what have you got happening this year then, Kaki? Are you writing at the moment? Are you recording? What's going on? Um, this is a great year. Um, a few months ago, I did a piece 
uh, it's an entirely new record. It's also an entirely new performance, and there's a very important lighting element in the performance. It's become this piece of theater. It's called The Neck is a Bridge to the Body, which is, you know, the title is just a reference to the parts of the guitar, and um, um, but there's all new music, so the new album will be uh, completed and released later this year. Um, and to describe it in a nutshell, there's something called projection mapping, where you can uh, kind of do a, like cut out an object um, and then tell your projector to only throw light onto the object itself. And in this case, I've used my guitar. I painted a guitar totally white. I put it on stand so it just it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and I played this. You know, I, I can I play all the music myself. And then there's the series, each song has a different incredible series of images that's projected onto the guitar, as well as the giant screen behind me. So, you know, I don't know what to call it. It, it's, it is a piece of theater. It's a piece of multimedia performance art. It's still me per playing guitar, playing my music, you know, that hasn't changed. Um, but the look of it is absolutely incredible. Like I... I've been looking at a video of it recently, and I was like, "That there's no way that's real. It just looks so good. Um, so I will be doing that later this year, and definitely in 2015. That's the year we want to really ramp it up. And um, my wife's having a baby, so we'll be parents in uh, later this summer. So that is the big event of the year for me. And... Um, yeah, and I'm just focusing on 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 doing that show and, and spending time with my family. Excellent, good stuff, Alyssa. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, and we'll look forward to the album. All right, thanks, Scott. Just as usual, I get someone on the podcast. I've listened to their albums. I've watched their YouTube clips, Ross, and then you think you've this person is in such a high level. And then they come on the podcast, they break down everything that they're doing on the guitar, and they're actually even better than you thought they were, and you thought they were amazing anyway. Yeah. How good was that interview? Seriously. <laughs> so good, because like, she just makes it look so easy. You're yeah. Like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> the fact <laughs> that she went to that point, I mean, this is really simple, and I'm sitting, sitting thinking, going, you know, I'm going to be on the, this planet for the next 50 years, hopefully, and I will never be able to play one quarter of that. <laughs> Don't tell me that that's really easy, right? Because it's making me feel even worse. Khaki, I'm kidding, of course. That was, I mean... The fact that she's clearly so humble as well, yeah, and it's yeah. so easy for it, it's just comes so naturally, Ross. Yeah, of course. Like, um, it's it's just so so ridiculous to see so, seeing someone properly break down a song, because um, you watch it and you go, yeah, that that's really cool as a package, but mm -hmm. you forget that there's so many different tiny little things that just make that so good. Um, like I, I just thought thought it was so cool when when she's talking about all the different like percussive elements on top of all uh, on top of all the lovely melodic elements. I just think it's awesome. But just well, while you're listening, you're going so G <laughs> G what is it in G? I'm not sure. <laughs> like uh, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> but, but I think that's the key thing as well that you mentioned the percussive elements and the melodic elements on top of it. Yeah. Because she doesn't as complicated as it is a lot of her songs. Mm -hmm. It's still really melodic. Yeah. The, of she puts the the melody as the chief over mm -hmm. anything that's kind of technical yeah. and and really percussive. Mm -hmm. And I think that must be at that level to write that type of song a really difficult thing to do because there's so much going on. Yeah. But you're still walking away singing that. 
song. Well, it's kind of trying to uh, organise a whole band on, on something. I totally, that's only I, about, a, I, about a metre long. I know, and the thing is, that <laughs> what she can, her band is ten times better than any of the band that I've ever been in, and it's only one. Yeah, and, 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 and take us one metre. She's got, a, she's got a bit of wood with six strings on it, and it's better than any band that I've been in for years with six guys in it, you know? Um, but it was really, really good, um, and I think that it's she's one of a kind, really. I always admire someone that can hold an audience's attention with instrumental stuff with mm-hmm. them just them on a stage yeah. you know it's quite incredible isn't it mm. all comes down to your, the, the live performance of it like if, if you've not got a good live performance then you've not got very much but I just think it's it's especially in the in this sort of culture of uh, is is it catchy? No, I'm not going to listen to it. Then I think it's really difficult to write an instrumental song that people will listen to. And I just think she's done that so well. She's made it interesting enough and um, sonically pleasing enough that you want to go back and listen to it a bit more. It's just infectious. The band that Ross is in, all she knows. How's that going, Ross? Talking to it. Yeah, it's going well. Um, it's going great. We've got a, a couple of gigs coming up. A uh, next one, I think, is a uh, start of June. Um, that's Sea in the Park. It's uh, a cancer research thing. We've been doing a lot of work with uh, like Marie Curie, different cancer research stuff. Because uh, our drummer's mum, hi Emma, uh, is a is a cancer survivor. So we're aiming to do a lot of different stuff. Uh, the first thing we done we done a couple of weeks ago was uh, we done a sponsored uh, go karting event. And uh, what we've done is we put loads of different uh, packages that people could buy online. And um, that's still running until the end of the month, by the way. So people can go on, go on the website and pick up a £75 package or a £5 package. Ranging from like a £1 package, which is a, we mention you on Twitter and say thank you very much, to a £125 package where you can take one of us out on a date. This this man's a good <laughs> this man's a good salesman. Not that I'm thinking of opting for the um, 125 pound date uh, thing. You, you Ron, are you in that uh, boat as well? Are you? Um, what do you think? That sounds intriguing. <laughs> Ron's getting creepily ever so closer to Ross as he speaks as he says this sentence, and he's on a wheelie chair at the moment, so it's a bizarre sighting, you know. Um, and the what, the one pound range? Did he get a mention on Twitter? They, that's they get good. A follow and a mention on Twitter. Uh, that's good because clearly, uh, with the greatest of respect, that's a rubbish gift. That right? is a rubbish gift. So, if, and, and I mean this in the nicest possible way from a business perspective. When you offer somebody that, you know, I, I can give you a Malteser or. Immediately, you're, going, you're, you're opting for whatever's going to be after the yeah. or, am I right? Yeah. It's nice to have a little middle ground. So you start off with start off with the rubbish and go to the ridiculous, and then people just kind of find their way in the middle. Um, I, I thought it was a great idea. That's <laughs> a great idea like, because the latest prize that I offered, my best thing was a follow on Twitter. Yeah. You know, and, and, it's, and it's your worst. So where can we um, view all she knows online with the different sites? Uh, all the usual places. Facebook... Twitter, we have a Bandcamp, uh, which is uh, bandcamp.com slash all she knows, I'm pretty sure. Uh, then we've got uh, the, our website, all she knows.co.uk. You'll find us. <laughs> we've got YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube. Google it. Just Google it and don't pay any attention to the Bruno Mars song. I've got a <laughs> confession to make. George Kibbe, who's the lead guitarist <laughs> of All She Knows. I was invited to his 21st, mm-hmm. both officially. Well, what I see officially is he said, do you want to come to my 21st? <laughs> and extra officially, I think, because on Facebook, not only did I get invited, but I accepted. Um, <laughs> and I didn't go, and it still came up in my Facebook. It made me feel guilty because it went, you went to a 21st? 
you know, it was telling me I went at 21st, mm-hmm. and I didn't, yeah. as we all know. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't got in touch with George with an excuse or anything. I'll be honest with you right now, I'll, I'll, just between me and you and, and the thousands of people listening yeah. on the internet, <laughs> I didn't go because I, I, I just don't like him. Yeah. I really don't A like him. A lot of us do have this opinion about George that he's just, you know... Obnoxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, He's got a big personality, which is a nice way of saying he's abrasive. Yes. A... Uh, you can get away with that when you're older, as Andy noticed that. See if you're really cheeky and horrible when you're an old man, people go, oh, he's a character. But see when you're young, you've got an attitude problem. Yeah. You ever noticed that? It's so you true. Get, you it's can get so away true. with murder when you're an old guy. Oh, he's a character, you know, he's, he, he pushed that woman when he was down the street, you know, and he called her the C word, you know, what a character. You do that when you're young, he, he's getting to jail. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the police are on you. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've got to say, Scott, uh, George did weep. I'm not going to lie to you. I ruined his birthday. Uh, yeah, ruined his birthday. Uh, he was really upset. Really very, very upset. He didn't he didn't enjoy any of his night. No, I ruined no. it. Ron, were you there? No. <laughs> Do you like it how my spin on that? I'm trying to, find, I'm trying to, I'm trying to drag somebody else yeah. down with me. I just get that many invites on Facebook. I'm the same. That's that was my... Yeah, I was, yeah. And plus, I was really busy. That I was... Um, Did uh, you not have that dub yeah, to go and wash? Yeah, yeah. I had to go and... Um, I actually called up you, didn't I? And I yeah. called, Do you want to go out for a pint? You're like, I've got Ross's birthday. I know, I've been invited as well, but sod that. Let's just go elsewhere. <laughs> Imagine if I managed to get the whole band away <laughs> out and I drink with myself and just this. George, I'm really sorry about your birthday. I obviously do feel guilty. And this is my opportunity to express to you that, um, yeah, <laughs> the podcast is available online. <laughs> ScottKiwi.com. Out of interest, where are you listening to the podcast right now? Um, because I, you've been telling me that you've obviously been listening to each mm, and every episode. Yes. Right? I've moved on from the iTunes. Have you gone for Stitcher? I've went for the Stitcher, yeah. A lot of people have been telling me this. Of course, Randy doesn't know we're available now on Stitcher Radio. People are downloading the app. I've now got the app as well. It is really good, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, but I'm like you, Ron, because you were telling me earlier you're still on iTunes. Yeah, I'm still on iTunes. You still, I'm yeah. kind of still old school on that because I've got the 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 podcast app, and mm-hmm. I tend to go for that because I listen to different podcasts as well. But you're you're now a ah, Stitcher yeah, you, man. You need to move with the times, Scott. You right. just need to move with the times. As more things come out, you just need to roll. With a lot of people tell me that, that they've been listening to the podcast, of course, on Stitcher Radio. I don't mind where MD listens to it. <laughs> um, there's the old school, old school people that still go to scottkiwi.com yeah, forward slash they, podcast. They, website, they they're, sit they're, on their computer with their headphones on and listen to it. They're, they're, not, pra- they're practically in the Stone Age, though. They're, you think they've, so? They've, uh, they've, they've just not progressed with the times. That's so seven weeks ago. <laughs> I know, it's so seven weeks ago. God. But, um,. <laughs> Yeah, wherever you want to listen to it, we don't mind, ladies and gentlemen. Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and of course, scottcowie.com forward slash podcast or scottcowie.com. Click on the podcast link. We've got brilliant guests coming up for you, and we will see you guys next week. Anything last to promote, Ross? George's 22nd will be coming up in a few minutes. George's 22nd is coming up in about a year from now. Actually, talking about banned birthdays, uh, it was Seb's birthday a week after George's, and he got all these people on Twitter being like, oh, happy birthday, Seb. George got none. Quite so, right. So, uh, another another bit of salt in the wind for George there. Do you know what you should do? Hmm. You should enter the All She Knows competition and try and get a mention. He should, yeah, he should, tr- he should, try, and, he should try and get a, a follow and a mention from, uh, from the All She Knows. Best of luck with that, George. He's, <laughs> this, is, this is really hot. This is the worst birthday present. First of all, I ruined his birthday, and then I spend about 10 minutes in the podcast absolutely hammering the guy, yeah. you know. I bet you Kaki King is even sitting listening to her own podcast back going, I hate George Cowie. Uh, I think everyone does, really. Like, it's a deep down thing. (laughs) We will see you guys (laughs) next week.